Hey, what's happening, guys? Going to sit down and record a solo Eastman's Elevated for you. So this will be a bonus episode. Uh, been a while since I've sat down and recorded a solo and just wanted to recap my latest desert hunt as I learned, learned some really good lessons there and uh, kind of talk over my 2021 season, uh, my goals, uh, how I plan to improve and get better, um, and, and just my approach to, to this next upcoming season. So hopefully I can share my journey with you guys and uh, help give you the tools to, to, to give you a successful season as well and, and to give you some things to think about and um, ways to improve your game. So uh, we'll get right into it. Uh, I just want to thank my sponsors. Uh, these guys pay for all my time to sit down and do these podcasts. Uh, they're just great companies with great products, and and uh, I'm so happy to have them all on board. So it uh, really helps when you guys show your support to these companies and uh, tell them you heard of it through the Eastman's Elevated podcast. Um, so I want to thank uh, Mountain Archery Fest. They're sponsoring us again this year. Uh, Everly Stock, Matthews, Sig Sauer Optics, uh, Sitka Gear, Sportsman's Warehouse, Zamberlin Boots, High Mountain Seasonings, Onyx Maps, and Swagger Bipods. Uh, so thanks to those guys, and thanks to you guys for showing your support. All right, see if I remember how to do this. Uh, it's wild. You kind of, uh, you know, I get a game plan in my head, but then I just hit record and um, talk over, you know, let it be free-flowing and, and talk over my thoughts for the season. So sometimes it can be a bit rambling, but we'll see if I can I can get one recorded here. So... Uh, latest desert hunt with my buddy Dan. God, what a fun adventure. Uh, fun way to, to cap off the season or start a new season, you know, whichever way I look at it. I kind of feel like it falls into the 2020 category, even though it's the first hunt of 2021. Uh, just as it's kind of the last hunt of the year, there's all these hunts leading up to it. That's my season in its entirety, and now I'll start to train for this this next year, this 2021. But um, man, it was just a great time. Uh, I told you guys I wanted to improve at that desert habitat and, uh, especially that low desert habitat or that desert habitat in the South. Um, you know, it, it, it's just different down there and, and I love challenging myself. I love, um, you know, whether it's a new species or a new habitat, a new unit, I love trying to dial it in and figure it out. And so, uh, I had never stepped foot in this unit before. And, um, so, you know, I made a, a pretty good e-scouting plan on Onyx, but it's just, you know, it, it, you make the best laid plans, but then you have to adapt to the conditions that you're given down there. So drove down there, um, you know, long drive down in there and, and just get started in this unit and some places that I wanted to look at and, um, start cruising around and hiking to vantage points. And man, I got skunked, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's so tough to show up to brand new units and dial them in it's um you know experience is a great teacher and some of these places that I've hunted before you know I continue to explore and expand my knowledge of these units by exploring different drainages different mountain ranges but I have this fallback that I've been there before and I have a couple good spots that I have in my back pocket and I I think really that's key I mean you know, we hunt these places and you kind of rate them on, you know, how was the hunting? How was the opportunity? Was I able to find shooter bucks? Was I able to find deer? 
is it worth applying for again? Did I find a couple good spots that I can go back to that I know will be money? And along with that, you know, expand and explore more of this unit. And, um, you know, I, I kind of, I, I like it that way. You know, being able to have these spots, you know, sometimes to find a good deer spot, I mean, it may take three days. It may take five days. Heck, to find a high country spot in Montana took me 10 different trips, you know. So it, it takes a while exploring. And so you kind of explore and go hard and be in the moment. But even in a good unit, it may take a couple days before, you know, you find a decent spot that produces big bucks. Um, so I was lucky in this spot as it um, nailed the rut. And I really focus on this rut in these southern states is is trying to dial it in. And it's so wild because the farther north you are, the earlier the rut happens. The farther south you are, the later it happens. And also higher elevation. They tend to rut sooner than lower elevation. And so, you know, the rut in those southern states takes place from about mid-December to the end of January. And just trying to time it when I'm going to be down there during the rut in the mountain range I want to hunt, I think is so key for those desert units. I mean, the rut just gives you a chance. And, and in these desert units, they're it's tough hunt, man. It's like low population of these deer. Um, you know, there's a lot of country that is just void of deer. Um, and, and they're, you know, it, it, it's not like there's giant bucks running around everywhere. Like you got to search a couple of these vantage points and, um, low populations. It's just, uh, they don't, they don't have this high density. Like there's just pockets of game and then there's pockets of, that are just void of game. And there can be these pockets that are void of game can be huge. You know, it can be the whole desert floor, or the whole mountain range or the whole elevation. And so what I'm trying to do when I get down there is I'm just trying to find deer. I'm trying to get current information and I'm, I'm trying to apply that to the unit. So as much as I make this hunting plan while I'm down there. And I did make some really good hunting plans with some great vantage points, uh, roadways I wanted to drive, and then uh, different places I wanted to hike to and look at, places away from roads, you know, all that stuff I talk about for e-scouting. Um, but yeah, I got down there, low populations, um, and we were getting our butt butts kicked. I mean, I think first couple days, we didn't see a deer. <laughs> so no deer, like uh, zero for a count. Not no big bucks, not, you know, it's like zero deer. I was like, oh man, what do we got ourselves into here? We got ourselves a hunt, you know, we, um, hopefully we can find deer. And um, I just knew if we keep putting forth effort, we'll find him. And so uh, set up on a master vantage point the third day. And man, I could see all these faces and um, I could see so well and I was just picking them apart. And again, no deer at daybreak, you know, the, the best time to glass. And finally, after about an hour of glassing, I pick out one doe, uh, well, one deer. I just saw a flash of them go through this canyon. And so, you know, me and Dan, we don't have much to go on. This is day three. We haven't seen a deer. I finally saw a deer. I don't even know if it was a doe or a buck or what it was, but you know, I think we should go hike in where we have a vantage point of where I saw that deer and see if there's a buck with them. See if, you know, we can, you know, see if there's more does. And, and, and that was the case is we just got in there to where I'd seen that, that doe started hiking around, started finding vantage points and started finding deer everywhere in there. There was pockets of them and they were, you know, using the North side cover. So North side timbered pockets, and they were in there just rutting around. And, and so we hunted this spot. We hunted it for, um, 
couple two three days it was good we kept exploring you know we'd go farther out find different vantage points and find different bucks and we were getting plays you know right off the bat that evening dan got a play on a real nice heavy four that we would have been psyched to shoot and um man you know it's you get these chances on on these stocks and you just want to be money on them and um this initial stock dan was going to be the shooter um i went with him you know Initially, we were, you know, I was going to capture the stock on camera, and um, so so we went in on this buck, and and I don't, you know, Dan got a tree in between us and the buck, and I'm not sure, it was one buck that had a doe just pinned, it was rutting her hard in there, and kind of in these canyons, and Dan got a tree in between us and them, and we made it to that tree, and but when we got to that tree, those deer were on us. We had to sit motionless for 45 minutes, and finally the deer ended up spooking anyways. We had the wind right, so I'm not sure if they heard us on the gravel or if they caught our movement in between the branches. But, you know, here we locate this great buck. You know, it was our first chance, and we we blow it. And I spook them off. We never get a chance at them. And, so, uh, and we never did find that buck again. He was a really good one. So we just keep hunting and keep finding vantage points, exploring this little spot and um, or this area, anyways. And and what we found down there is, um, you know, these deer in this this desert habitat, water is far more important than you know these northern places that I hunt. A lot of the the big mountains I hunt, uh, even a lot of the foothills I hunt, I very rarely see see deer drink. Um, they get a lot of their moisture from their food source. They can go multiple days without water. Um, and they kind of learn their spots. And so like for muley hunting, if I'm being completely honest, I haven't really focused on water. In fact, you know, one of my tools for hunting high country is to be as far away from water as I can, because guys can't survive up on the mountain, you know, with one Nalgene bottle full of water, but I can pack nine, 10 pounds and I can live in these areas that doesn't have much water. And, and there's mule deer in there. And a lot of times I see mule deer way up the hill where there's no water around. I mean, take the, the, the desert hunt I did for my first hunt in the season. And, um, man, it's hot and dry. There's no water on top of that mountain. And you got to climb 3,000 feet to play the game. And so we'd have to pack all our water on top. And there's, there's bucks running all over on the top of that mountain. And, you know, I don't know if they're going down every couple days or coming down at night or what they're doing. But to be honest, I just don't focus on water that much for mule deer. Well, in the south and in the desert, I need to focus more on water sources. So that's what I found on this hunt. And it's just being able to adapt to the conditions that we're given. And there's so much country void of deer. So we ended up leaving that spot. Like we hunted it and and made some stocks on bucks and pressured them. And gosh, we got really close. And I'll tell you a story that I had on a buck. I did get my first stock in that place. But eventually we started traveling country looking for another one of these hot pockets full of deer, full of rutting bucks. And uh, there'd be miles and miles of country with no deer in it. And and then we'd start to find deer. And what we found, you know, a lot of these tanks are marked on maps. Uh, and a lot aren't. You know, there's a lot of cattle tanks that nobody puts down on a map that just have water in them. And what we started to find is that we'd get around this water and we'd see these muley tracks. And then we'd grab vantage points and then we'd find deer. And so we could go five miles, not see a deer looking in all these great spots, grabbing every vantage point. But then we'd get around a water source or a place where they could get water. And there all of a sudden would be a population of deer living around this water source. 
And um, so that's what we started to key in on is really looking for tracks and looking for tracks around this water. So every water source we found, we'd walk the soft dirt around it and we'd look for muley tracks. If we saw some tracks and good sign and good activity, then we'd hunt that spot. If we didn't see any activity, then we'd move on. And along with that, we'd walk these washes. And it's, it's this skill that I've kind of lost over the years. Like I, you know, I see tracks, I pay attention, buck tracks and try to pay attention to sign, but I really live and die behind my glass. And, you know, a lot of times I find the animals with my glass, not by tracks, but you know, in this desert habitat, I was having to use my tracking skills more to find where these populations of deer were. So we could drive in the middle of the day and then, you know, check these water sources, walk these washes, and and then find sign. Like, we may have to walk five washes and check a few different water sources, but finally we'd find a bunch of tracks. And then we'd hike up to the vantage points, and sure enough, we'd start picking out deer. And sure enough, we'd pick out a rutting buck and we'd get a play, you know. And uh, I really wanted Dan to fill out on this hunt down here. And, and um, you know, the desert's just tough. It's uh, dry conditions, tough stalking down there. Uh, wind definitely helps with the stalks. I, that stalk I got in that first spot I was telling you about, a really nice wide 28-inch four. And, um, yeah, I was uh, I was up to bat. And, um, you know, he looked like a good buck that I'd be happy with. And so I made a play, and it was a great play. Man, I had the wind right. I actually stalked him in his morning bed. He bedded in the open with his does, but that day we had a good 10-mile-an-hour breeze. And um, I was able to—they were in a drainage. So in this country, there's a lot of wheelers uh, driving around or side-by-sides, and that's how the majority of the hunting pressure was, is is people driving around in side-by-sides and trying to catch them off the roadways there. And— you know, I like to use trucks and, and side-by-sides as a tool to get me to a place that then I can hike off from. And so as we explored this country, we were finding killer vantage points and killer places to hike to in country that they couldn't see from side-by-sides. But this buck with these does happened to be in a drainage that a road <laughs> went right through the bottom of it. And so... Like looking and seeing this buck, I wanted to be patient at first and just wait for him to get in the right area. But then, you know, Dan brought up a good point. It's like, man, that thing is right off the roadway. Somebody's going to drive a side-by-side up here and spook that deer off. Like, you know, if if you get a chance and get good conditions, good wind, you know, you should make a play at that buck. And, and sure enough, that's what happened. After my stock, there was a side-by-side that not only drove down the road, but went totally off-road up this ridge it, it was just ridiculous. I mean, um, you're not allowed to do that on public ground, it, you know, it, but it's also, you know, it, it, it's not, you know, it's not my place to go have a confrontation or, you know, it's like, um, there are locals down there. I'm traveling from Montana. It's like, uh, maybe there's some local rules down there, local things they have done their whole life. You know, it's, it's not my job to police everybody or, you know, it's, but yeah, they did drive all the way up the ridge those deer were on. But I did, like Dan brought up that point. I'm like, man, you're right. And he's in a great spot in his morning bed. We have wind. I'm making a play. I'm all in. And so I cut down there and cut down the ridge and just made the perfect approach. But just as I'm getting down into range, this buck decides he's going to get up. And he's not going to rut his does anymore. He's just going to leave his does. He's going to go travel country and go look for other does. So had no idea I was there. Does are still bedded. Buck gets up and just starts walking off. And he's over top the ridge from me, but I'm so close to the does that I can't expose over this ridge to get a look at him, or I'll bust the does, which will blow up everything. 
So I just see his head and his horns, and he's cruising uphill. So I dive back where I've got the trees for cover from the does, and I I start paralleling with him. And and he's moving, and I'm moving, but I'm on the other side of the ridge, and he's on the back side of the ridge. And then I finally get to where I have a chance where I can get up over top and try to cut him off, try to get a shot. And I pop up over the top, and he's just moving. And I get a range on him moving, 44 yards. So I'm close. And... um. With that 44 yards, he just keeps walking to, to my right. And so I just duck down and I keep paralleling him, which we're keeping about the same distance apart. But we take about, you know, we, we cover about 5, 10 yards after I get this range of 44. And he's going to come into this opening and it's going to be my last chance. And so I have no time to range. I draw back. And when he steps in the opening, I give him and he stops. He freezes. And... um I do my job, man. I put my pin right on the spot I want to hit, execute, pull, 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 shot breaks, nothing. <laughs> Total air ball. Oh, man. I was um, so bummed at myself. I um, I wasn't, you know. It was like it was this great encounter. And like I told Dan, you know, that was worth the, the price of admission. That was worth driving the 24 hours down here. That was worth all the effort. Like I got my close encounter. I got my chance. But I hate to miss. You know, I know I executed the shot right. I think as I was paralleling that buck, I got that range at 44. We kept paralleling each other. I think he got a little closer on me, ended up being 39-40. I think I shot right over his back. And it, it just reminds me how it's not a perfect science. Gosh, I get so good with this bow and so much confidence that I can make it happen, and I can, but it's it's like never a perfect scenario. That that animal's never sitting there broadside looking away, and I get a range and drop. It's like always animals moving, can't get them to stop. I'm moving with them. It's like this dance of chaos, and you got all this adrenaline, and you're trying to seize the moment like you, you, you know, I didn't feel like I had time to range him again. But in reality, like I do not do good when I don't have an exact yardage. And, you know, I talked about range forgiveness on that, uh, you know, a few podcasts ago. And in my range forgiveness with a 26 and a half inch draw on a 450 grain arrow, you know, it's not that great. Like even at 40 yards, I think I got like a two yard range forgiveness or three yard range forgiveness at best. But if I miss that, I miss the deer. And and so, you know, I really got to have an exact range. And, you know, I think if I could play that scenario over, I would have let it play out. I was in range. He didn't know I was there. Nothing was spooking. Like, like, don't shoot at this shot where we've just been paralleling each other for 10 yards and I'm making a guess at it. Hit him with the rangefinder again in the opening. Get a new range. Get a new dial on him. And then try to stop him after that again. Or just keep playing the game and play the game better, you know. But it makes me realize, gosh, I, I mean, I put so much into it. But it, there's just so many variables. And and also, you know, mule deer are really good at jumping the string. Now, that was not the problem on this buck. But uh, I do have, you know, I, I usually say like one in three or one in four mule deer jump the string. Uh, I listen, um, I listen to, uh, oh, uh, gosh, my mind's just uh, blank as I just uh, thought of this. Um, oh, Randy Ulmer. God, why could I not think of his name? So uh, listen to Randy Ulmer. He thinks that uh, 80% of bucks jump his string. And he went through a bad deal where he lost a great big buck he had been hunting this year. And, you know, I've seen Randy pinwheel bucks. And um, I don't know if it's quite 80%. But 
the truth of the matter is, is a lot of these mule deer will jump your string and you hit them high and back or, you know, miss them completely. What I find a lot of these deer get out of the way of the arrow before it gets there. You know, if they're 60 yards, you know, they have a chance. It's not just ducking the string like a whitetail, like they, they duck and spin and that arrow flies right by them. And so, um, you know, I definitely see him jump the string. And my point here is, is that it's just not perfect. I have, I am yet to have a perfect season, but I'm going to keep trying for it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to work on, on all these critical skills and, and work on keeping my cool because the more proficient you are at, at executing and killing these bucks, making good stocks, making good on opportunities, like the higher I can set my goals because my proficiency level is so high. So I know I can make it happen on the stock. I know I can make it happen on the shot and therefore I can set my goals higher and, and, um, hunt longer and know that I can, you know, have a chance at success. So like I'm, I, you know, and I'll talk about it later in the podcast and my shooting. I can't believe I've been talking for 20 minutes already, but that, um, you know, just, just get as proficient as I can, but as good as I am, man, I had another air ball. <laughs> so, uh, I had, I had a, I had a couple misses this season. In fact, I think I had three misses this season. I'd rather miss than hit badly. Um, you know, it's a way better feeling. It's, it's way better to miss them clean. And so, you know, I'm happy I missed this wide buck clean. I shot over them. It was a range finding deal and range finding is an absolute art of knowing that range. And so, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, I've got to be better. I, I've got to be better in that situation. And I know that. And I came up and told Dan and said, yeah, I airballed him, you know, but man, what a killer stock. And, you know, I'm not upset about it. I know I'll get another chance. And, you know, I just got to be better at, at knowing that yardage. I know I executed a really good shot. My pin was sitting right on the vitals as I pulled on the shot. So, so it wasn't anything like I lost my mind or anything, you know, it's just a range find deal. And that's just, it's just bow hunting. It, um, it's the way it is. Uh, it is not a perfect game. Um, those animals, like getting into range is one thing. Getting a shot at animals is a whole nother thing. Like you keep thinking on a hunt, oh, I just need to get into bow range. I just need to get into bow range. And then you get into bow range and this buck never stops moving or this bull never stops chasing cows around the herd. He never gives you a shot. He never stops in a window. You know, he walks out of your life. And this buck was about ready to walk out of my life. I was able to just keep with him for a little ways, but you know, that was going to, that was going to end, you know, shortly. He was going to walk out of my life and be gone, but airballed that buck. Um, you know, we just continue to hunt, continue to look for new areas and explore. And, you know, we put ourselves in some good deer pockets. Dan made some good stocks on bucks. And I think I'm fine. I'm up again. You know, uh, uh, we'd made some plays on some bucks and some close calls. And, um, I'd got that one stock and, and, um, you know, Dan had got a couple stocks or I'm not sure what his stock count was up, you know, by then or whatever. But, uh, but, but I was up on a stock. And so, um, you know, we just started exploring and started finding these tracks around water again and started grabbing vantage points, saw a smaller buck we didn't want to shoot. And and pretty soon I, we, we moved to this new location and get up on the vantage point and it's just an absolute buck party. And there's one of these bucks that just has this giant frame on him. And, um, you know, he's, he's like a 30 inch wide buck and he's tall, but he's, 
you know, he's like this this old heavy warrior. He's got this great frame, but he's got, you know, he's got like a busted back tine and then, you know, he's he's barely a three point on one side, but he's just heavy and dark horns. And there's another really good looking three point up there, another couple bucks running around, small fours. Um and, and I was up for the stock and I could have could have passed this buck and gave it to Dan, but what we ended up doing is we split up and Dan ended up going for this real nice pretty three point and I said, Yeah, if I can get a shot at that buck with that big frame, I would I would be happy with that buck. He he's a an old desert warrior. He's got this giant frame, he looks super impressive, just this giant body about twice the size of the does ripping around and it's like you know, for me, it's all about age class and mass. You know, he he doesn't need to score 200 inches to make me happy. Just an older deer with good mass. And this one fit the criteria. It was actually the oldest, best buck we had seen to that point. And so, um, yeah, I said, well, I'm going to go over and try to make a play on this buck. It was the evening. I knew I'd get some downhill thermals so I could approach from below. And um, I made a play over and I, you know... I told Dan, I said, I'm not so sure I'm even going to make a play on this buck. There's 20 does up there. There's so many deer up there. You know, I'm just going to get below him and get myself into position. And if he gives me a chance or if he starts to move or I can cut him off, I'll, I'll be in a place where I can make a play. And Dan went to go check for this three point. And so uh, Dan went to go hunt that one. And and uh, I got over there and I got below this buck and I started to see a path that I could get to him. It was just going to take me a while. I had like this old dry creek bottom that I could kind of use and there's cattle around in this unit and so I'm having to kind of sneak around cattle and things up this draw and really take my time and freeze and kind of let them move off and then I get past the cattle and then I'm making my play up this draw and just keeping an eye on these deer and they're feeding and bedding around and rutting around and gosh about the last 10-15 minutes of light I find myself in bow range of where this buck was and I can't find him on the the hillside I see these does around where he's at uh, where he was at, and I, I thought I should be like 40 to 60 from him, and I just couldn't see him, and he had bedded there with a doe, and um, so I kept looking around, trying not to give away my position. It was it was noisy stalking, but I had decent downhill winds, and I just took it really slow, and it's like I get this feeling of, of what I can get away with and what I can't when I'm stalking these animals, and I try not to give myself away, and it doesn't happen every time, but try to keep that element of surprise and just keep kind of creeping in and put myself in range, and pretty soon I pick out this buck, and uh, he's actually crossed the draw, and he's on the left side, and he's with a bunch of does right there, and um, so I make a quick move over, and I'm kind of down below him in the brush, and he's up there broadside on the hill, and get a good range. I'm in the last 15 minutes of light or something like that, and uh, got a good range this time. Uh, he was standing still. He was up there broadside. And I thought, you know, that that's my shot. And um, drew back and um, settled my pin, executed like I was supposed to, and, and just nailed that thing. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't make it 15, 20 yards. And he was done rolling down the hill. Done deal. So, um, yeah, it felt really good to find that redemption, to execute a good shot, to um to be good on this buck and he was just a great heavy uh chocolate horn desert buck just the 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 buck I wanted to kill I was so happy with him Dan met me over there took care of him with our headlights and hiked him down to the desert or down to the truck um great desert buck so um so stoked what a great way to end the season and I I got you know a bunch of days to hunt. I don't know when I killed him. Day five, maybe six, something like that. And um, so then I had a chance to try to help Dan out. 
man, we got Dan some chances. He got some plays, and we kept hunting. And in the last couple days, we had man, we found a, a giant buck. It was it was um really tall, deep fork, chocolate old buck. Man, it was a great one. I got some great photos of him that I'll put on my social media. Dan made some great plays and put himself close. And yeah, he, he actually had a miss on on that buck. I think you know, um, you know, I think um. You know, I'm not sure if, if his gear was off or he got home and shot and, and thought he was um, shooting low or something of that nature. But, yeah, he did have a miss on that great buck. We did get a chance at him. And, man, we chased him all over that place trying to get Dan, a, trying to, get Dan to kill him. But it just um, it wasn't in the car. So I felt bad for Dan as I know, you know he wants to fill tags. He's, this, he's a great hunter. He's great at spot and stock, great at execution. You know, it just couldn't get it to quite come together on that that big buck. And so Dan's takeaways were, um, you know, he's going to shoot his bow every day. And I think that brings up a really good point is shooting while we're on these hunts. And um, I try to carry a field point with me. And you'd be surprised how many times I shoot an arrow and stuff gets off. I mean, it's, um, you know... These bows stay in tune and these bows stay on, but, you know, if you go through a severe storm and, and freezing cold and, uh, you know, you're, and your bow's been in warm temperatures all summer or the moisture content in the air, um, gosh, there's a, there's a number of things that can go wrong. Um, sights that move, rests that get bumped. Uh, I busted a, a couple stabilizers the last couple years on spills, but some of these spills I take in the mountains, they can surely knock something off. So, yeah, I'm just going to be disciplined going through my bow before season, uh, tightening all the bolts, and then I'm going to put a little dab of epoxy on all the screws, you know, so I know nothing moves. Uh, I'm going to mark everything, mark my cams, so I know where my cam rotation is, uh, and I'm going to... uh, make sure that 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 everything is sound and true and dialed in when I go on these hunts, and then carrying a field point or an arrow with a field point in it, and and trying to shoot every single day. And whether that's back at the truck at a target or hiking around hunting when the hunting gets slow, shooting an arrow into some soft dirt, uh, including before I go on a stock, shooting an arrow. You know, if I have time or if it works out, but. So many times, you know, I get so focused on these hunts that I won't shoot my bow, you know, for for multiple days and stuff can just get off. Now, I was good on this hunt um, when I missed that buck. I was like, man, it was 44 yards. I held my pin right on the vitals and I missed that buck. I am checking my bow. So, like, uh, you know, I came back and checked my bow and sure enough, my bow was on. And I, I was like, man, it must have been a yardage deal. And I... I tried to create that scenario where I put the target at 40 and shot for 44. How did I do that? Oh, I just went two yards different. And um, so I can't, you know, I I thought the buck was at 44. Maybe I set the target at 42 and I hit the very top of the target. I was like, man, if I was, if I was three yards off, if I was two yards off, he would die. If I was three yards off or four yards off, I think it would airball him. So I think that's exactly what happened on that deal. But super fun to dial in that desert habitat. It's one of the last habitats I have to get really good at and uh, just learn what these deer are doing. And, and in this place, like in any type of terrain I hunt, like I'm always looking for an elevation or like a... Uh, it's really tough to explain, but I'm looking for features that deer like and then looking to transpose those features. And in this desert terrain, 
Um, it was a lot like hunting coos deer in the mountains for me, or I related it to that as a lot of times they're on the desert floor and this unit, they were not on the desert floor. Um, so sometimes they can be, I know a spot I scouted in Arizona when I was with my family was the desert floor that I planned to hunt next year. And, um, I'd find vantage points on that desert floor and start picking out deer, same thing, finding tracks and washes. And I actually scouted a really good buck down there. Um, but, but this unit, you know, you have to adapt to the conditions you're given. And I looked at the desert floor and couldn't find tracks and couldn't find deer. There wasn't enough cover down there on the desert floor and then start looking in the mountains and on the top of the mountains, you know, it's all these timbered hillsides and rock and there isn't many feeding features or open parks or open meadows. And so these deer seem to be right where that timber or thick cover gave way to foothills that gave way to the flats. So it was right before the flats. So you could kind of dial in this type of terrain and this look of terrain where it wasn't too thick. Uh, they had cover, but they had open meadows, uh, wasn't the desert floor. And so you just start to dial this in and see what that looks like. Cause we found that first good spot that, that had deer and that's what it looked like. And then we'd travel farther South and farther North in this spot and explore other canyons. And we'd start finding deer in there and finding deer located around other water holes. And then started traveling to different places of the unit, finding that same look to that country, finding water sources or deer tracks, and then just start picking out deer. And I think it's like that in a lot of places I hunt. It's just dialing it in. It's just like finding that habitat that's good during bear season. It's finding those those pocket parks, the that green grass, that that look. So it's really tough to like put my thumb on or even describe what it is, but it's just like it's just getting in tune with the country and finding bucky country. And like these hunts are all about giving ourselves an opportunity. I always think about these hunts as how many stocks did I get? Can I get a stock a day? Can I get a stock every two days? You know, I finish the hunt and go, okay, 10 day hunt. I got four stocks or I got five stocks. You know, I can make it happen in that amount of stocks. And so I really just start to put these numbers to it. And the key for harvesting animals is keeping in animals. The key to finding big animals is finding animals, like just keeping yourself in them. I, so much a elk success, so much a deer success is just being really good at putting, putting myself in game-rich environments, and then stuff just happens. I create opportunities because there's so much country that's void of animals. It's like if you can dial in that skill of looking at country and telling what looks bucky or what looks elky and that's, you know, and, and also putting forth effort. You know, I'm just, I'm willing to go walk into any of these spots to go turn up game, to go look for that epic hunting. And, and when I put forth effort, you know, even if it's just plain ass luck, like I, I'll hike two, three spots, not find anything. And then I'll bump into a spot that has game animals or has bucks. And I, I have enough confidence in my skill set with glassing and finding vantage points and the way I dissect country that I know if there's deer around, I'm going to find them. So um, that was kind of my approach for the hunt. Uh, Like I say, we came up short in the end filling Dan's tag, which I really wanted him to fill out. But I, I know, you know. Dan's not not crying over spilt milk either. Like um, Dan knows he had some opportunities down there and he had some close calls. And uh, not only does he go back or, you know, he doesn't make excuses like he's just got that same attitude that 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 I have where, you know, he's just going to going to go back and he's going to be better. He's going to work harder. And he's been shooting so many arrows. He called me with this funny question the other day. So he's dissecting 
Dan's a great shot with the bow, but he's breaking down all his fundamentals and he's he's trying to figure out where he can improve and where he can get better. And, you know, what he told me, you know, he wants to shoot every day on these hunts and make sure his bow's on, that things don't get knocked off. Uh, Dan told me that he, um, God, he asked me this, this funny question the other day that I didn't have the answer for. He called me, he goes, okay, when you're shooting, do you focus on the target or do you focus on your pin? And I thought about it and I thought, Oh, I, I know I focus on the target because I've been through that like with indoor before, like try, if you focus on your pin, the target's blurry. And if you focus on the target, your pin's blurry. And it's just kind of the way it is. But I couldn't think of it on the spot. I had to go home and shoot. And then I called him back and I said, okay, this is what I do. And so what I do is I, I shoot with both eyes open. I draw back and I focus close at first and I focus close to, um, anchor to anchor, my sight aperture in my peep sight. I want to center that and I look at my level and I level my bow to where I want it. And then I focus on the target. And then I never look away from the target. One of the worst things for shooting is to focus back and forth from the target to the pin to the target to the pin. You really lose where it's at. But I leave both eyes open. I focus on the target. And then I let that pin just float around where I want it and keep pulling on my shot. And so I was able to describe that to Dan, and I do that uh, subconsciously now. I just don't even think about it. I do it on animals. I do it on targets. Like I say, I couldn't describe it to him when he asked me about it. So um, I couldn't even think of what I did. But I thought that was a great question. Um, So, you know, I know he's working on that instead of focusing on the pin or not knowing what to focus on. You know, he's starting to focus on the target. And like I say, Dan is a dang good shot. He just, uh, uh, like... You know, like me, I I take away from the season. I had a phenomenal season. Like, um, you know, I filled almost a hundred percent of my tags. Uh, the only one I didn't fill was my antelope tag. I went on all these super adventures. I went to uh, two or three brand new units. Um, always hunted new country along with old country. But you know, I just had this great season. Maximum effort. I dirt bagged really well. Like, uh, never get in a hotel. Uh, you know, um. Uh, always like dirt bagging in my truck or in the woods and, and always taking off for these backpack trips, whether it was three days or a quick four days, or if I was in an expedition trip, just backpacking, putting forth maximum effort. But I still, you know, I take away from the season. How can I be better? And the better I can become, the better I'll be on trophy animals. And like, I'm in my prime right now. I've worked my entire life to get to where I'm at, to have my skill set. Like, I want to see what I'm capable of, you know, uh, I actually, one of my goals for next year is to fill less tags. (laughs) So I know that sounds silly and counterintuitive, but, uh, you know, I shot great animals this year. They were all mature animals that I was happy with. I met my expectations. I was super stoked. Like, um, I did, I did great. I had a, I had an awesome season. And one of the things that, you know, finding that motivation to work hard for 2021 is not resting on my laurels. Like I had a great season and great adventures, uh, but it, you know, it's, it's time to, you know, not forget about that, like take the good away from it, but it's time to put in the work for 2021. You know, I always, you know, I've become proficient in my years of bow hunting and I, you know, I, I carry this name and I'll get comments like, um, uh, you know, uh, the animals don't have a chance or uh, uh, Brian Barney's in the mountains, they, you know, just stupid stuff like this where I, where I, I think, you know, the animals don't know who I am or don't know the skill set that I bring. Like, all I know is that, you know, animals live to survive and they have great instincts. And it's 
it, like I tell you guys all the time, it's the most difficult thing on planet Earth. Uh, do it yourself, bow hunt um, on public ground. Like uh, I know that it's not going to be easy next year. And, and in fact, I think about it like it's not going to be as easy as it was this year. I found game animals. I closed deals. You know, next year I may have a tougher season. I may have to work harder. And I also like I want to see what I'm capable of. I love the I love the the entire process of, of, of bow hunting and and being a backcountry bow hunter and and preparing and map study. I, like I enjoy the process so much that I want to see what I'm capable of. I want to fill less tags and, and have like, like higher goals set. And not that I need to break a world record or anything of that nature, but, you know, I think I'm capable of more. I think if I hold out for longer, I could harvest that next level buck or that next level bull. And, and so, you know, I, I definitely, the fun of bow hunting is getting into animals and making plays. And I realize that I love to bow hunt, but you know, I can just, um, I built my skill sets and my proficiency to a level where I think I can set my goals a touch higher for some of these places and really see what I'm capable of. And if there's a unit, you know, that's capable of producing a 200 plus inch buck or whatever the case is, you know, some giant framed monster buck and there's the potential in there. And I know, you know, I can find a buck like that or, or there's the chance of finding a buck like that. I want to have my tag in my pocket and I want to, you know, I've shot enough good four points or, you know, whatever the case is. And there is a level of buck that I, you know, have a real tough time turning down, a level of bull that I have a real tough time turning down. I mean, this year was a personal best bull for me. Like, I'm definitely not turning down that bull. It was a, he was a giant. I was so stoked to harvest him. But I just want to give myself more of those chances. And so, you know, that means for me being better. And it keeps me in the process and it keeps me hungry and keeps me working hard towards my goals. So I don't just sit back and go, oh, I did it last year. I can do it this year Uh, to really say, you know, to really put forth maximum effort and drive and see what I can accomplish, see what I can do and just have some awesome adventures. Um, So, you know, my goals for the season is how I'm going to get there. Um, you know, and we, we have all these, these pillars of, of backcountry bow hunting that go into our skill set that give us a better chance of success. And I'm going to work on each and every one of them. Um, just be driven, be hungry, and um, see what I can turn up. So, you know, the the first one that I very rarely talk about is nutrition. In this season, I did a great job with nutrition. Uh, I didn't eat fast food when I was traveling to and from hunting spots. Uh, sometimes I can get, like, down and dirty and grab some Mickey D's, but it just doesn't make me feel good. Not even Mickey D's. Like, any fast food, you know? It's like this guilty pleasure. And where I live in... Uh, Ennis, Montana, we don't have any fast food, so I never eat it. But if I'm on the road, it's something quick that I can grab something to eat and then still be driving. But it just makes my gut feel bad. I don't perform as well. I mean, the stuff stuff is just poison. Like, uh, So I didn't eat fast food this year on the run. I eat healthy all the times down, and I just made more effort. I'd stop at grocery stores. Um, you know, I'd, I'd stop at, at, at better food. Like it just take me longer to get someplace, but I ate really good on these trips. So I was really proud of that. And I want to continue that trend, um, in, into, you know, everyday life as well. And I, and I ate really good leading up to last season training and, um, I'm not totally keto or, um, you know, I, I'm not, uh, um, you know, I, I know sugar, you know, is an inflammatory and I know sugar is bad for my system, but, uh, I, I try to go low sugar, low carbs, 
and, and then just try to eat real foods. And to me, it's like making these these small changes to my nutrition. I'm not going on a diet or doing this for a few months. It, it's like sustainable for me. I, I enjoy to eat and I enjoy to eat good food, but there's just small improvements I can make. So if I'm being completely honest, like um, the sugar monster comes out at night, like uh, after dinner, I just like, man, if it's ice cream or some cookies or um, gosh, I mean, you know, the, the girls had Christmas candy around and I never buy candy at the store. I would never, but boy, if it's around the house and in a bowl, I will just crush that stuff. So, you know, I can be more disciplined there. Um, that's where I can make my improvement. And sure, the the first couple weeks of no sugar at night is is a little tougher, I think, about it. But then it just becomes normal life. And not that I can't ever enjoy a bowl of ice cream or whatever. Like, I work off so many calories and work so hard. Like, I'm fine. I'm not going to beat myself up over it. But just these small nutritional changes to get more out of my body and, and to get more out of my hunting season, more longevity, um, you know, uh, better joint health, like the, like the whole thing It's just try to eat healthier. Um, so, you know, I already have healthy eating habits. So for me, it's getting rid of the sugar monster at night. Uh, another big one for me for season is, um, and I know soda is just absolute poison and, and I just struggled with it in my younger years. I love that stuff. And I'd burn off so many calories cause I'm running and I'm working construction and I'm a young man. And it was like, I could just burn it off. You know, I didn't have any joint pain or anything, but you know, as I, as I start to, you know, realize what's really in there and stuff and not that I can never have one or anything, but I've just gotten better. Like my rule was not to have any in the house for the last 10, 15 years. I never have any in the house. But if I go to a restaurant, I'll have one. Not that big a deal. Now I've started to not even have them at restaurants. And uh, traveling this year, you know, hunting, um, it's like this, oh, it's it's dirty for me. I'll be on the road. And again, I'll just stop by a convenience store or I'll grab a soda because I get that caffeine and that sugar buzz and I can keep driving. I use it as a crutch as I'm driving. And so therefore during hunting season, you know, I'm drinking more soda than I should. And um, so this season I did not drink soda. Um, I'm sure I had one here or there, but for the most part, I didn't have any soda traveling, didn't have any soda down on the hunt. Sometimes I'll throw a couple in the cooler. And um, so I was really good in that way. And I, I ate good nutritional food while I was hunting. My um, my menu for backcountry hunting got better. Just trying to eat real foods, trying to eat foods I like. Uh, you know, I... I I've, I've eaten these backpacking meals for so long I can't do them anymore so like I like to do my own meals so big winners this year were like general sows and noodles and then this jerky that I'd cut up and I'd boil the whole thing oh and then dehydrated peppers and I throw it all together in this this noodle pepper jerky steak mix that was really good uh the other thing I did I did um like fajitas and I'd use that same jerky cut up and I'd hydrate it and I'd cook rice and then I'd uh you know I'd have cheese and I'd have salsa and a little tiny Nalgene thing and I'd make this burrito it was just bomber so like um those ones worked really good um just a couple things I added I you know I always love um like granola with uh, uh some dried fruit powdered milk and add a little um, water to it uh, but just eating good foods and more of a balanced diet, like trying to get more away from the sugars and get more fats, more protein in my system, and, and just try to eat nutritionally good food so my body can fire off all cylinders. So those are some changes that I made that I that I want to continue to implement. So around the house, my goals this next year is to, uh, you know, to 
to to have control over the sugar monster at night and um you know just uh, uh eat good foods and make good food choices. I mean, we get these choices every single day. And and I can go dirty just like the rest of it. I can make bad choices or I can make good choices. And when I build these good habits and eat good food, I just fire better, I feel better. Um and, and so, you know, that's one of my goals for coming into next year. Uh, another pillar of hunting um w- would be physical fitness. And I always do a really good job here. Uh, no joint pain. Uh, you you guys know my program. Like I don't I don't post about it a lot, and I don't talk about it a lot. But I I love the trail running. Um, it it just like I can get such a good workout in a short amount of time. Like I went skiing the other day for cross training, but if I'm if I'm skiing like a cross country skis, I have these all terrain skis that I'll use in the winter. And right now we're just bitter cold and a, a bunch of snow came in. And so, you know, I didn't feel like running through the snow. So I figured, well, I'll go ski. But I mean, it must take me three hours to get the same workout I'd get in an hour of running. Like I can just, it just works for me. But everybody's different. Like pack workouts. Uh, I definitely think hills are so important. And when I'm running, I don't run any flat anymore. I don't run any pavement. I don't I don't run any. It's all trails. It's all trails, canyons, coolies, uh, mountains, uh, big climbs. Like I count my elevation more than I do my miles. And um, so, yeah, so I um, I love getting the elevation up and down and I just feel great. I mean, I'm 40 years old. I have no joint pain. I, I run nearly every single day and I, I'm just disciplined. I've been doing this for so long. It's like such a habit. But uh, what I want to implement more, like um, the training should always be more than your, uh, you, you know, your endeavor you're going on. Like if you're sports, you always want to train harder than you'd be in a fight. So you're prepared for it. And it's tough running because I can't, you know, I've got an hour a day I make time for and uh, one couple hour run a week, but you know, I've got family and businesses and this podcast and so many things that I'm working on, but I've been really good over the years of just making it a way of my life. Like, um, I I just fit it in day in, day out. I mean, right now, I mean, I think it was like 39 below this morning or something, but I will be out there. I will get in my run or like I did yesterday, my ski or whatever. I think I'll run today. Um, it's so much exertion in the snow. I can go half as far and get twice the workout. Uh, but you know, I'll be out there today. I'm really disciplined at getting these things in and this physical fitness, it pays dividends on a hunt. Like I am just able to push myself so far on these hunts. I I build this great endurance base and and I get that through my running and and I get my legs used to these climbs. I mean, whether it's a a thousand vertical feet a day, some of my runs are 500 vertical feet and then I'll go 1500 or 2000 and, um, do some bigger ones. So, uh, this has really paid dividends throughout my hunting career. It's just being in great shape. and, And also it shapes my mental toughness, uh, just my discipline of making myself do it, getting out in these cold temperatures, like, like I start to get that mental edge, that mental toughness, and I see it play out on my hunts. Like I'm just, um, I built this mental toughness through backcountry bow hunting and through running and things where I just don't have any quit in me. I just don't, I don't let myself get to a dark place or a bad place or get down or get low because I, I know I've got physical fitness on my side. I know I've got mental toughness. I know my goals are bigger than me being tired right now. And, and a lot of that, a lot of that, um, I'm trying to think of the right word for, um, delayed gratification, 
delayed gratification. It's like you get in that day and you're supposed to go run, and it's you can either not run, but when you when you choose to do it, you're you're choosing to make yourself better for this bow season, and you're choosing the the tougher decision to go out and get that run in to fit it in your daily schedule because of delayed gratification. You you want success in the end. You want to kill that big buck in the end or that big bull in the end, and you know the these miles and this toughness. You know it it it's gonna it's gonna give you grit. It's going to pay off come season. I have a bigger goal in mind, a bigger purpose for myself of killing this big buck, and I'm going to put in the work day in, day out that, that most guys are not willing to put in. Uh, you know, A lot of guys will run when they feel like it or when it feels good. I'm out there every single day. <laughs> you know, So like, I, think, I think having that mindset, like I, I just have these big goals for this 2021, and I know I have to go out and prove it again. You know, the, these animals aren't going to gonna lay over and die for me or give me an easy shot. These these animals, it's it's the toughest challenge there is, and especially on a mature animal. And, and I've got to do absolutely everything in my power to just give myself a chance at success. And, um, you know, so f- for me, this is a, a very important piece of my life is getting those runs in. And so as far as physical fitness and running, I want to continue. I like running every day, uh, or at least six days a week. Uh, just it's just like every day. I'm getting myself ready for that endurance. And to be honest, I have a tough time making my legs sore. I have such this endurance base, but I want to push that farther. Um, you know, I I want to run faster, which allows me to cover more miles in a shorter amount of time. So really push my pace on some of these mountain runs. And then I want to make sure that at least a couple times a month, if not once a week, I'm doing a big long run, a, a big push, a big, you know, with a two, three hour push in the mountains, go try to get those double digit miles and, and really push myself uh, so I can I can just build a, a better endurance base. And I mean, to be honest, um, I want I want to push what I'm capable of. I next hunting season, like I want to. I want to push what I even think is a good push in my own head, if that makes sense. I want to break my own governor. I want, you know, the distances that I think of a long distance or a good push or really good. Like, I I want to make that further. Like, there's guys that run 100 miles, 200 miles, 500 miles out there. Like, like uh, I think with my fitness base and how many years I've been working at this, and if I really dedicate myself, I can break my own governor. I can I can push more miles, deeper in country, more exertion, more climbs, just whatever it takes to give myself a chance next season at success. I want to do it. I want to uh, uh, be able to push past what I think is like capable or what I what I think is is big day. Like I want to be able to do more than that. Uh, I want to I want to find my limits. I, I want to go on some big, huge, extreme adventures in, in extreme remote country and push like a madman, cover country and find those next level animals and give myself a chance at it because it's what I love to do. So like um, those are some of my goals for running. And one of the most important things to my physical fitness is my back. So you guys have heard me when I've hurt my back before, when I've had complications and, and really, you know, I've worked construction my whole life. 
uh, smaller frame guy, like not that I make any excuses. A lot of times it's just this young man mentality. Oh, I'll just do it myself. Oh, I'll lift this myself. And I've, you know, I've hurt my back quite a few times over the years. Um, but activity is good for it. And so it's finding a way to strengthen my back. And I've been really good in this past season of getting in these workouts. The, you know, I do a lot of uh, body weight training, kettlebells, pull-ups, push-ups, sit-ups, core work, like, like I've been good at getting this in this entire last year, and it's helped strengthen my back and make me stronger. But I have to realize as I get older, this is my weak point. Um, my back will go out between my shoulder blades, neck pain, you know, like I've been dealing with this as I've been working out and as I, you know, big days. And it it's getting stronger, but I just need to be dedicated here. Uh, I can't. I can't miss a week. I can't slack off. I've got to be getting my upper body workout day in, day out. And I've, I've been getting some great ones lately, like sheeting a, a roof of the houses that I'm working on where you're swinging 80-pound sheets up and hiking them up, uh, um, you know, hiking them up 6-12 pitch or an 8-12 pitch and laying every sheet in. And, you know, I'm, I'm a hustler on the construction site too. So, like, I get good core work out there. But I but I make sure that each and every week I'm getting three lifts in, and I just need to be better at it and move that up to five lifts, longer durations, uh, really intentional lifting that'll help strengthen, you know, in between my shoulder blades, that'll help strengthen my neck, and just working really hard at this, and and so I don't have any major injuries. Um, if you guys remember last spring, last bear season, I hurt my lower back bad last spring, and it took a long time to heal, and actually. Um, you know, it prevented me from the start of bear season because my back couldn't hold up to the, my lower back couldn't hold up to the runs or the big canyons that I needed to cross. And so, you know, I actually got started with bear season a little bit late last, last year because of my back. And that's the, really the last time I've heard it. Uh, it held up really good through hunting season, having a pack on, uh, running through the mountains, you know, all this stuff is really good for it. Uh, but, but I just know this is my weak point. And if I want to continue to push as hard as I want to push, I've got to have my back ready. I've got to have my back ready to pack out animals, to pack out game. You know, I, I butchered two elk by myself this year. You know, that, that takes a lot rolling those things around and totally quartering, boning, head off, everything ready to pack, meat hung up. I did two bulls by myself this year, not to mention how many bucks and, um, you know, I'm sure I know I had some help along the way, but, uh, you know, I know I did those, those two bowls and, um, you know, and I had help packing them out, but, um, you know, rolling around a 700 pound elk by yourself and butchering is no easy feat. And I used to get lower back pain when I'd butcher a lot because I'd spend time bent over and my time in the weight room this year paid off where my back, my lower back never got sore butchering. You know, I was always able to pack animals out. And so I just want to continue this and, you know, I've made all these changes in my life, these positive changes to make myself the the best bow hunter I can be, and I just want to continue the progression. Um, so, so uh, definitely the the weight training, um, you know, and then and then my shooting. Every successful hunt comes down to making a shot. So I told you guys about another miss I had. Jesus, they just they just kill me. But it's not always perfect conditions, and so I want to be really good in the clutch. I want to be patient, waiting for the right angle and the right shot, and just really controlled in those scenarios. So I know next year, like the more I can put myself in bow range and making these stocks, the more comfortable I can get. And so I know I'll have an antelope tag next year. I want to start off my season making plays, making stocks on antelope. Antelope was the one tag that I did not fill the season. So I'm going to make sure that I give ample time. And a lot of that not filling that antelope tag 
you know, my plan was to hunt antelope in between these these huge big game adventures that I was taking, and I had a, a super full season. But my plan was to get back and have a few days and hunt antelope, and it didn't it didn't really pencil that way. Um, I'd come home, you know, and I'd be gone for seven to ten days, and I'd get home and I'd start spending time with my girls, and I just had this necessary family time that I wanted to spend before I took off on this next adventure, and so. Like I was making sure that I was going to basketball games and volleyball games, make sure I was hanging out with the family and doing dinners and cooking dinner and just being engaged. And so like I, I really like not filling my antelope tag. It's it's not a huge hit to my pride or what, you know, it's like it you know gives me motivation for next year. But I also made the right choices this year. So next year, I'm just going to build that into my hunt plan is making sure that I'm spending that quality time with my family in between hunts and scheduling ample time like they know I'm gone during the fall and I'm chasing my dreams and they give me nothing but support. But I want to make sure when I come back, I take care of things and spend quality time with them and, you know, making the, you know, being the best family man I can be like, uh, what good is it to be a, a great hunter? Uh, you know, if your wife leaves you and your kids don't like you, you know, so like I that that is uh, an important part of next year's goals is to, you know, leading up to hunting season, including my family, doing adventures with them, spending that quality time, not being on my phone in the evenings, in the mornings, engaging them. Uh, that's a big part of my yearly goals. So um, so next year I need to build this this plan in for antelope that gives me ample time to be able to go out, chase them. It is one of the funnest hunts of the year, and it's a high-opportunity hunt. I get a lot of stocks, and getting myself into bow range gets me comfortable in bow range because I want to be calm, cool, and collect and making really good decisions in bow range. Being patient, continuing to play the game, waiting for that right shot that I'm looking for, uh, keeping the element of surprise, all these little things that I do now I just want to be better at. Uh, so for me, it's making a good game plan for season. Uh, every successful hunt comes down to making a shot. I want to be so good behind my bow. Oh, I I hate to miss, and especially hate to miss on a on a giant animal like like we all do, right? It only makes sense. But if I'm gonna push for these next level goals, I gotta make sure I'm proficient. And when it comes down to it, that I will make the shot. You know. Uh, I'd love to say we'll make the shot 100% of the time, but I know it's bow hunting, but I, I want to be as proficient as I can be. Um, I'd love to be 100%. I'd love to be 99, 98% proficient. Like just taking those shots that I know I can make and just practice. Um, so I do really good at shooting my bow every day, but I want to shoot more arrows and then just challenge myself more. Uh, I've been shooting more indoor. And uh, I don't have a target bow. Um, I'm sure I got some some big, heavy, thick arrows around here, but I just shoot my hunting setup. You know, that's what I'm going to be shooting in the field. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll pull my 70-pound bow back, and I'll shoot rounds of this Vegas indoor. And Vegas has always helped me with my form. And it can bring up target panic in some, and even me in my younger years. But, man, my form on indoor, it just keeps me sound, my fundamentals. But I'm shooting tiny arrows, 70-pound. I'm shooting my hunting setup at 20 yards and score in Vegas rounds. And, um, you know, it's amazing. Like, like getting a better shot for me is not all about practicing every day. It's putting myself under pressure, under duress. And, you know, shooting this indoor, like just the other day, I'm shooting and the, the bow shop owner is standing over my shoulder as I'm shooting or guys are watching as I'm shooting. This puts pressure on me. 
And this pressure is something that I can't do by myself in my flip-flops in my backyard. Now, I can if I have buddies over, you want to perform good. So a lot of these goals are shooting more with buddies. I want to shoot 3D courses this year, that mountain archery fest. I think those mountain shoots at 3D targets with your buddies are great practice. And not that I want to win the the World Cup or win the Olympics. Like, uh, I don't, you know, in indoor, it isn't my game. The competition is my game. I For me, I save all my time for bow hunting, but it makes me a better bow hunter. So I need to shoot more of these indoor groups. Uh, my next house, which I actually put off for another year, has an indoor 20-yard course that I've, uh, in, in yard indoor 20 yard range in it so I can shoot these indoor games during the winter time because it's tough when it gets you know it's light when I leave or it's dark when I leave and dark when I get home and so shooting these arrows I've been shooting close in the garage or I'll shoot um, right outside and then I'm pretty good at before I'm leaving you know for work or lunch or afternoon or any any chance I get and right now in February it's not getting dark until six o'clock or so so I'm getting more time outside uh, but just continually shooting. Uh, I'm at my best when I'm shooting a lot. Now, everybody's different. But I need to shoot more of these indoor games. Anytime I'm in Bozeman, stop by the shop, shoot an indoor game, uh, invite friends down to shoot indoor games, uh, shoot the downstairs 3D, Shoot. Uh, uh, I want to shoot um, some 3D shoots. I want to shoot with buddies. I've got uh, uh, going to do the Western Hunting Summits with Lampers again. They always have the Beat Brian Barney tournament, and I take a lot of pride in being at my very best at those i know a lot of guys are gunning for me and there's a lot of great shooters that show up and uh you know it again it's it's not that i'm winning some trophy or some medal or you know i'm not it's not anything like that but it's, it's showing off all my hard work over the years and it's like it's high pressure shooting it just doesn't feel the same as in my backyard it feels similar to when i'm shooting at a big buck or a big bull and all the pressure's on me so the more chances and the more time i can spend in that the better i'm going to be come bow season so um more indoor shooting with buddies more high pressure shooting um you know that's that's going to be my goal and really working with my setup to make sure it, I have the absolute best tune in it, shooting the best arrows, shooting, you know, I just want to have all my gear dialed. I want to have everything marked. I want to have everything with a, uh, a shot of epoxy on it so I know it doesn't move and then shoot my bow throughout the season and just walk around deadly. Um, so, you know, that's another one of those things I want to work at. And right now we're in tag season and, um, you know, I definitely want to be really good on my e-scouting of making good hunt plans. That's paid huge dividends for me. So, um, you know, spend that time on Onyx instead of social media. Um, you know, I just, and I enjoy social media. It's just like, it's, you guys have heard me talk about phones and it's, um, there's a major addiction going around and, you know, I, uh, you know, it's like everybody you know is always on their phones, and I, I definitely don't want to – I, w- I want to be engaged in life. I want to be engaged in conversations. I want to – you know, I want to support the hunting community like they support me and post things on there, but just just budget my time on there so it's not a problem, you know, to where I can enjoy the good points of, of social media and my phone and, um, you know, try to get rid of the bad habits or not have bad habits that I regret. I live a really busy life, and, and part of that – it's just like I want to be more productive. Uh, I don't want to procrastinate. I want to get things done, and I want to have a purpose every single day. Um, you know, and a, and a lot of this, 
you know, a lot of my goals, you know, while they center around hunting season and, and, um, you know, this year I had a ton of time to hunt with family and friends and for myself. And, uh, I want more of that next year. Life is short. I want as many days in the field as I can. And I, I've worked long and hard to like construct my life centered around hunting. And I want to take advantage of that. But a lot of that ties to being responsible in the rest of my life. I talked about my family. The other thing is my work. You know, I've worked so hard to build Barney construction and build this, this, um, this positive, build this good reputation for doing good work, standing behind it. Um, and, and I need to be a good leader when I'm hired to do a house, like I need to lead that house and I need to be on my game. And that's in front of decisions. That's keeping communication open. That's leadership over my guys on the job site. Like there's all these things that play into it, uh, with my construction company that I, I just, you know, I, I've done a good job and just like every, just like everything I've talked about, like I I've done this, but I just want to get better at it. I want to be in front of it and, and, um, you know, be the absolute best leader I can and make sure that I, that I'm in front of things and taking care of all my responsibilities at Barney construction. I'm leaving nobody hanging. And when I'm gone, I'm gone. And, uh, you know, I have, um, you know, delegate responsibility where I need to delegate responsibility and, and take care of my end and always be working hard and be a good leader and, and make sure I'm on the up and up. And then really, if I'm taking care of everything, it makes for a stress-free season. I had a bunch of work going this season and, you know, uh, I, I wasn't stressed out because I had taken care of everything. Um, so I just want to be better at that, uh, better at, at productivity and and getting things done. Um, you know, just start off in the morning and get my computer work done and my book work and phone calls made and things. Uh, just just be just be productive. Just be as good as I can be like a. Uh, part of that if I run the business better will make my hunting season better so there you go there's the the end goal and 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 I enjoy it like I I built a great business over the last 19 years almost 20 years and so uh right now there's a lot of good work around and you know I want to get some of it and um have have my guys make some money and make a decent living and you know take advantage of it while it's here so oh gosh I don't think I've taken a breath here for about an hour or so. Uh, yeah, it's just um, it's this constant improvement. We get one chance at life, and I I just want to be the best human being I can be and um, get the most out of life. And and it seems like the harder I work, the more discipline I get, the the more enjoyment I see. And you know, it's 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 it. You know, I want to have fun in life as well. Like um, you know, I love fly fishing. I have that other podcast, Eastman's Flycast, and um, you know, it, it's making sure that I'm getting out and I'm enjoying time out on the water as well that I, um, you know, if I, I, I just want to enjoy life as much as possible. Like, uh, I want to be driven and, and I want to get things done and be more productive, but I also just want to enjoy life and laugh and enjoy friendships and, and, you know, a big part of my season this year was making friends and family better. And, and I want to make sure that my friends have a really good season next year too. Like I want them to enjoy to be around me. You know, it's like, I, um, I want to make them better. I want to help create opportunities for them. I want to see them be successful. Uh, I want the guys around me to be successful, which they were this season, but, uh, that's another thing I, I just want to improve on and get better at. And, um, you know, make sure I'm spending this, this quality time with family and friends. So man, it's going to be a fun year. Like I say, I just love the process and I love each and every part of it. And, uh, so I'm just going to work hard. It's tag season right now. 
I, I love playing with the possibilities and, and doing tag research and getting applied and, you know, hopefully I draw some good tags this year and, and, uh, go on some good adventures and, and, and just put myself out there. I, w- I want to go on some more of these super adventures, you know, I, yeah, I I love these blue collar adventures, but I just got to pull the trigger. I got to you know call my Hawaii buddies and go, hey, I'm 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 coming out in June. Like let's make three days work or whatever. Or um, yeah, I, I just want to pull the trigger on these adventures and and if I spend a little bit here or there, that's that's fine. It's like in, enjoying life. So I I just want to go for it. I want to be all in and and uh, have a good 2021 and and um, see what I'm capable of. Uh, really push my limits. So that's just all that's rattling around in my head. I know it's a lot to take in for a podcast. I was just going to do an update on that, that desert hunt, but, uh, you know, it's the way these solo podcasts are is it, it's a, a bit of a therapy session for me. And so, you know, I get to get out all these random thoughts that are racing around in my head all the time. And, um, so I'm just, uh, I'm glad I found the motivation for 2021. You know, there towards the end of the season, I continued to run, continued to get my workouts, but I was just struggling a little bit with motivation. And I, I think, you know, maybe I was just worn down from, from the entire season, but it was tough to keep training with that intensity. You know, it was like, Oh, I got one hunt left. I, you know, I, I just, um, I'm really happy that I was able to find the drive, find the intensity, because really that's, that's that's a fuel behind our fire. Like like none of this stuff that I talk about happens unless I am extremely passionate and I make time for all these things and my my fire burns bright and burns hot. Like you have to want it, um, and, and I definitely want it. Like uh, there there's a lot of things in life, um, but but really I'm I'm in this game for to get as much enjoyment as I can and and you know be good with my family and my friends and you know there's a bunch of other goals that go along with it but it's it's like to to have the most fun to get as much out of life as I can and I'm so fortunate that I've found this love for backcountry hunting and and I'm so fortunate that that it requires such discipline and hard work it's just made me a really good human being you know and and I just want to continue that trend and see what I'm really capable of I feel like I'm in my absolute prime as far as knowledge and fitness and um you know it's it's just Time to cut these legs loose, give myself enough time and see what I can come up with, see what kind of super adventures I can go do. And, um, you know, I know they'll I know there'll be hurdles along the way and I'll prepare myself for those as they get closer. Um, but, you know, it, it's just take on these challenges head on. It's not an adventure until something goes wrong. I heard that from somebody and I really liked it because uh, because he's right. And and on these hunts. There's always something that goes wrong. It just never goes to the script or as planned or you get there and things change. And these hunts are always harder than I imagine. I, you know, I train like a madman during this off season, but when I get on these hunts, they're always tougher than I imagine. And I, success seems so far away, but you just start putting in the work and you start dialing it in and putting together the the pieces of the puzzle. And eventually you give yourself an opportunity and, and put an arrow in that animal. It just happens. And, um, you know, it, it's an evolution as a bow hunter, and we just have to continue to evolve. So, you know, it, it's your guys' turn. Take a look at your hunting season, your opportunities, where you want to improve at, your different pillars of, uh, of hunting skill. Uh, you know, where's your weak point? Where can you plan hunts or plan your season to be better? And, and man, there was a lot of years I was just a weekend warrior, too. Like, um, it, it's easy to make excuses why you're not 
like why it's not happening. And and I've been trapped in this as well. It's harder to accept responsibility and go, I'm going to figure it out. Okay, I'm a weekend warrior. How can I add a Friday or a Monday? How many weekends do I have? How many days is that hunting? Can I drive all night Friday? Can I hunt Sunday evening and then drive home in the dark and wake up and go to Monday at work? Like, what are you willing to sacrifice to find success? Um because you have to be willing to sacrifice more than the average guy. That's what it takes. Like for me, public land hunting is grit and toughness and being able to endure. And that's what I want to be really good at, among other things. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Um, that That's my motivation for the day. That's where my brain's at. Take a look at your guys' hunting and where you can improve. And, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Um, I'm going to try to do at least one of these solos a month, if not more. Um you know, they, they seem to be received well by you guys. And I just appreciate all the support. I try to get back to each and every one of you and help you in your own journey, uh, in, in your own quest for, uh, whatever success that you seek. And, and, um, yeah, I just, I really enjoy doing it and I'm humbled of the support and, um, man, I just really appreciate you guys. So with that, I'll check in with you next week. <laughs>